It's my great privilege to kick off this new series, Family Matters. And uh, I want to start off by telling you just a little bit about the, the series itself. Um, so it's about all of those things that pertain to our church family, our family matters, our, our vision, our values, and all the things that make EBC, EBC. But it's also family matters. It's about the fact that family and our church family is really important. It really matters. And we're going to explore why that is. It's a series of five parts, and we're going to give you a bit of a preview. We'll pop them on, on the screen if we can. Thanks, Kim. So part one today is about vision. Part two, which Matt is going to come talk to us next week about, is church for the unchurched. I've used the shorthand. Matt will elaborate greatly on that. Week three is giving, and Steph's going to talk about giving. And then week four, serving. That'll be Rob. And then you stuck with me again for the, the wrap-up, which is all about unity. Now, you'll notice, observant uh, people amongst you will notice, that none of those match up with our C values, our, our five C values that, that make up that jigsaw on all of our posters today. So um, we're going to talk about those values in each week. Not every one each week, but those values you'll see cropping up as it pertains to each, each of the series titles. Now, there's no quiz on these C values. They're up there for you to, to see. But I do have a little mnemonic for you, a little memory uh, aid, because I have a dreadful memory. Great memory for some things, terrible memory for other things, as, as my own family will attest. So I've got a little mnemonic, which I came up with years ago to help me to remember these C values. And we're going to stick that up on the screen as well. So this is how I remember it. We are a caring committed community, celebrating and communicating effectively the love of God in Jesus Christ. So that's how I remember the C's, and I've never forgotten them since, I think I might say. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. If I'm honest, I tagged on the end of it just because it made it flow nicely, and it, it kind of appealed to the, the kind of the religious language. So I tagged that on, but that's my little mnemonic for our values which we'll be hearing more about in the weeks to come. But today, we're on vision. And vision is one of those things that uh, sometimes gets a little bit confused with another word, mission. You hear people and organizations talking about vision statements and about mission statements and about values, and they sometimes get a bit confused. So before we get into the, the main bit of the talk, I want to just clarify things a little bit as it pertains to what vision and mission is. Simply put, a mission is the thing that we're trying to do, the thing that we're setting out to do. Whereas vision is what things will look like if we accomplish that mission, if the mission is successful. And our values are just the things that we adhere to along the way. So next slide, please. Oh, it's there, sorry. Mission is what we're trying to do. Vision is what mission accomplished looks like and values what we abide by the long, along the way. But that makes things easy to understand but is a little bit putting the cart before the horse. So I've revised it in the next one. Let's have a look at the next one. Vision is what drives things. Vision drives mission. Vision is what we want things to look like. And that determines what the mission is. The mission, then, is what we have to do to get there, what we have to do to realize, to make real that vision. And again, values are what we abide by along the way. So to engage people 
you have to cast a compelling vision. You have to paint a picture, if you like, of what things will look like and then give people a mission, things to accomplish in order for that vision to come true. And that is exactly what Jesus did. And that's what we're going to have a look at today in our Bible passage. So we're going to look at some verses from Matthew's account of Jesus' life. Matthew, one of Jesus' first followers, wrote down an account which you can read in the New Testament part of the Bible. And we're going to look at some verses from chapter 16 today. So if we can pop those up, I'm just going to read those through. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's a, a phrase that, uh, or an expression that Jesus used about himself, the Son of Man. Who do they say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I tell you that you are Peter. He uses a play on words there. Simon is Simon. He gives him the name Petros, Peter, which also means rock. And on this rock, not necessarily Peter. Some people think Peter is one of the founding uh, leaders of the church is the rock he's referring to there. Others say it's his statement of faith that Jesus is the Messiah. Some say it's Jesus himself. Peter, in his writings later, a letter he writes to the church, talks about it being Jesus as the cornerstone of the church. But the bit that we've highlighted is the bit I want to focus on. This is Jesus casting his vision for his church. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the evil in this world and in the spiritual world will not overcome it. That is Jesus casting his vision for his church. And notice who will build it. He will build it. Not the disciples. There'll be instruments that he, he gives them a mission to do, which we'll come on to. And today it's not you and me. It's Jesus will build his church. He will continue to build his church the church being the, the gathering of people, the, the gathering of disciples, the gathering his followers. He will build the body of his followers. Not a building, his followers, his disciples. Jesus will build that number numerically, spiritually. Jesus will build his church and hell will not stand against it. What a compelling vision. And here we are 2,000 years later and there are billions of followers of Jesus. What about the mission then? Well, after Jesus died and was res resurrected, he spent some time with his disciples. And before he ascended to heaven, he left them with what's come to be called the Great Commission. This is the mission that Jesus gave his disciples. Let's get on to that, please, Kim. Again, in Matthew's account later on, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go on, please, Kim. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Can we just pop back into that previous slide? These are the last things Jesus says to his followers before he leaves them. He resides in them and resides in us spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. But these are the last words he spoke to them. How important do you think they were? If they're the very last words he says before he leaves them to go on about the mission he set them. That mission is, go and make disciples of all nations. Because if they do that, and they did, and if we do that, then that vision of a church built by Jesus will be realized. That's how it's happened. That's how it continues to happen. That's how it will continue to happen. So just be, let's be clear about vision and mission. Let's be really clear about vision and mission. Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's who Jesus is. And it's Jesus who cast this vision of a church of his followers, his disciples being built, that all evil will not stand against. So let's be clear. Our mission in furtherance of that vision is to go and make disciples of all nations. Well, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Well, you begin with yourself. And I begin with myself. We don't begin with programs and services and lovely environments, the desire for excellence. Excellence is a great thing. Excellence, it's been said, inspires people and honors God. And I believe me, I'm all for excellence. But it doesn't begin with striving for excellence. It, it begins with striving to be followers of Jesus ourselves. Because if we want to make disciples of other people, we must first be disciples ourselves, must we not? So that's where we begin. Not with great services and social events and social action, social justice. We don't even begin with values. They will follow on from our being disciples ourselves. Where do we begin? Well, I accidentally included it in my mnemonic that I showed you earlier with the values. There it is again. We are a caring, committed community, celebrating and communicating effectively the love of God in Jesus Christ. I accidentally included the answer to where do we begin when I came up with that about seven years ago. I included it because it made the sentence run nicely and it sounded kind of religious. Next slide, please, Kim. In Jesus Christ. That's how we'll become disciples. If we stay, if we remain in Jesus Christ. That's how we'll build disciples of ourselves and then other people. If we remain in Jesus Christ, guess what? We'll become more caring. He'll change us from the inside out. We'll become more caring. We'll be more committed to him and to each other. We'll be a community of his followers, not just random groups of people who like to come and enjoy the atmosphere, the environment. And we'll want to celebrate. Uh, Peter, not Simon Peter, so our Peter, wherever he's hiding, came up with a, a great expression. There he is, thank you, Peter. Came up with this great line a few weeks ago at Songs of Praise, a vision that he'd had of people running to church. They can't wait to get here and celebrate together. 
That really stuck with me. Nice one, Peter. That really stuck with me. We'll want to celebrate if we remain rooted in Jesus Christ. And we'll communicate more effectively, not just in our preaches, but by the way we live, because that communicates far more than a preacher on Sunday morning or Thursday afternoon or whenever it might be, doesn't it? If we've got hundreds of committed followers of Jesus Christ who are rooted in Jesus Christ, well, the people on the, the, the fringes of the church can't help but feel affected by that. We communicate something by that, and we, what we communicate is Jesus. And through doing that, he will build his church. He will build his church. So how do we remain in Jesus? Let's just go on to the next slide, if I may. We remain in Jesus by private disciplines of fasting, praying, reading the Bible, reflecting on it, finding quiet time and space for ourselves. That's how we remain in Jesus. Let me just skip to um, John's account. John, one of his closest, Jesus' closest friends, writes these words, records these words that Jesus spoke. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will make many disciples. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches, branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Without the vine, there is no wine. Without the vine, there is no wine. There is no fruit. There will be no disciples unless we remain connected to Jesus through our private disciplines of prayer and reading Scripture, reading the Bible, reflecting on it, being with God in a quiet place on a regular basis, prayer and fasting, remain in the vine, and everything else will come from that. We will be fruitful. But apart from the vine, we can do nothing. Without the vine, there is no wine. Here at EBC, we've got this great mission statement that our elders, I believe, came up with years and years ago that says that as a church, we exist to love God, love people, and grow together to become more like Jesus. I think that's a fantastic mission statement. And it's born out of Jesus' teaching about the greatest commandment being to love God with everything you've got. 
with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we do those things, of course, we'll be more like Jesus, won't we? I think we do really rather well at loving people here with our environments and the welcome that we, we give to people. But first things first, love God. The church will grow if we love God. Let's put God first where he rightfully belongs. And, and as in that mission statement, love God. Love people. And we'll grow together, numerically and spiritually. And become more like Jesus. Jesus' vision was of a growing church. Well, we're hardly going to make disciples of other people if we're not disciples ourselves. And that is the mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And, and of course, we want to love people by uh, making sure they're fed and watered and they've got a roof over their head and decent stuff where they live from here to Freetown, Sierra Leone. Of course, we want those things. But we want more than that, don't we? We want more than that for people. We want a, a heaven of a lot more, do we not? We want a heaven of a lot more for people than just earthly provision. Because, you know, eternity is a long time. I work with older people a, a lot, and I get to, to know them and to love them. And the sad thing is, they die on you sometimes, because life is short. And it just really speaks to me in my job with the seniors of this church, that life is short and eternity hangs in the balance. So if we love people, well, we want to make disciples of them, don't we? We want them to be followers of Jesus, because where are we following him to? Heaven. Heaven. And heaven knows we want a heaven a lot, a lot more for people than just a nice meal and friends and good company. But without the vine, there can be no wine. So if we love God and remain in him through our spiritual disciplines, the rest will surely follow. EBC does just amazing things. Amazing things. But in truth, it's God that does those amazing things. He will build his church. Our job is to follow him and help others to follow him. Jesus said he will build his church. We just have the privilege of being part of it. And we want people to come who are unchurched people, who aren't necessarily believers yet. Of course we want people to come. That is a necessary condition for them to be disciples. It's a necessary condition, but it's not a sufficient condition. The only sufficient thing is that they follow Jesus. And if we want that for people, then we first must be really followers of Jesus. Because without the wine, without the vine, there is no wine.